Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of the Ministry Spotlight broadcast. Uh, The Ministry Spotlight, as you know, is an opportunity for us to dig deeper and talk with some of our friends and our ministry partners across the country, folks that you hear on the air every day on Bot Radio Network. And it's uh, I always enjoy this because it gives us uh, an opportunity to get uh, a little bit behind the scenes on some of the important ministries that you hear right here on Bot Radio Network. And today... We're going to be talking about the broadcast called Focal Point with Dr. Mike Fabares. The broadcast airs 1.30 in the afternoon, and that's central time on most of our stations. And for those of you who uh, sleep during the day and work at night, and there are a lot of people that do that, it also airs at 3.30 a.m. So for those of you who are up around those hours, make sure you catch it. It's a fantastic program. And and part of the reason, again, for this broadcast is to encourage you to explore Focal Point if you've never listened to it before. Well, Dr. Mike Fabaris is on the line. Mike, welcome to the broadcast. Great to be here, Evan. Thanks for having me. Well, we want to catch up with how things are going at Focal Point, and we'll make the assumption that some of our folks listening know you and love the broadcast, but there are probably a lot of other folks who don't. So let's kind of start at the beginning. Tell us how the broadcast got going and why you even decided to to do a radio broadcast in the first place. Well, I never even intended to be a preacher, let alone uh, be on the radio. But once God kind of got that ball rolling in my life, uh, kind of against my will early on, it seemed, and I was convinced this is what God would have me do, I realized how important preaching the Word, teaching it clearly, forthrightly, without deviating, without any kind of, uh, you know, frosting on it, just to give it straight up in a way that people can understand it. I realized how important that was. And I think that started to become something that some of our uh, listeners in our own church said, listen, this has got to get beyond our walls. So we started on one radio station uh, probably 20 years ago, I think it was. And that went from one station to where now we're on, uh, I don't know, we're I think we're near 800 stations right now, and it just has been a slow and steady growth and focal point, and I really think it comes down to the passion that not only I have, but the listeners that have said, we believe in this uh, this teaching that uh, really doesn't pull any punches. It's straightforward. It's uh, almost countercultural, which I know many of your broadcasts are, because our our society is kind of sliding into this relativism, isn't it? I mean, we have this sense of, of we've lost our moorings, and when it comes to God, it's like make up your own God, and your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. And I think just to give it back to what it should be in this world where the Christians proclaim an unmitigated, unbending truth. We can do it in a tactful and loving way, but that's what Focal Point has been all about. And I've been just grateful to stand back and watch what God has done in 20 years. Of course, I'm focused on being a pastor and being a teacher and studying and preparing uh, sermons every week, but it's great to watch kind of over the walls of the churches here uh, that, that we're involved in locally in Southern California to watch that message go out week after week and have more and more people being blessed and encouraged and edified by the kind of the straightforward preaching of the Word. So uh, tell us a little bit more about the kind of Bible teaching you do. You know, there are different styles. We have uh, so many wonderful teachers, and, I, and I, I think our listeners know, anybody who's been listening to Bot Radio Network for any length of time is well aware that we have the cream of the crop uh, of Bible teachers on Bot Radio Network because it's so important that the Word of God is respected, that it's handled well, because, uh, you know, that that is—it's— it, 
really the most important thing that you can learn about, but you must learn about it properly. So give us a sense of the flavor, the, the style, if you will, uh, of, of how you approach the word. Right. Well, you guys do have a great lineup, and I'm so grateful to be a part of it because bot radio is not what you're going to get in a lot of places, even here where I'm at or some places on the East Coast. It's just hard to find, if you turn on your radio, uh, good Bible preaching. And so I'm so grateful to be a part of the lineup of what God is doing through bot. And I do think uh, that is really what I'm all about in terms of being right there in the center of saying the Bible is important. It's not just important. It's the most critically important thing for us to understand, whether we're commuting to work or at the gym working out or staying up late at night just kind of listening to the radio on our own, we've got to be able to have a clarity about what the Word says. And I think that's part of how I've tried to approach this. I grew up in church, but I really got excited early on as a Christian to be sharing my faith with other people. And what I recognized is you couldn't just use phrases that we hear in church or even read out of the Bible without defining them. And so I think my teaching ministry, if one of the unique things you might notice about it, is making sure that when words are used, especially words that kind of have been so Christianized that uh, we can all just wink and assume we know what they mean, I mean, I want to really take time to unpack those words and know that these words have a very specific meaning and we've got to understand what we're saying. Like in any kind of uh, industry, we can have our own you know, vocabulary. And I think part of what my teaching is seeking to do is to make sure that everything about what's taught is clearly understood, understood all the way to the level that we understand not only what it means, but really its significance for what kind of impact it should have on my thinking and on my life, even on my decisions and the actions that I'm going to be involved in throughout the week. And so that's been my focus, to move from just uh, a running commentary of the Scripture that may be very, very good in interpreting what's there in the text, but be able to come away from a sermon to know exactly what that text is demanding of me. See, God gave his word, not so we can increase our knowledge, but really to change our lives, to conform us to the image of his son. So the preaching ministry that I'm involved in, and what we're trying to do in adding focal point to the lineup of bot, is trying to give another half an hour where there are people that are hearing the word, understanding what it means, and then really being challenged to make sure that, as Jesus said in Matthew 7, we put those words into practice. So this may sound like kind of a silly question, especially for those uh, of our listeners who, who understand why it's important to, uh, to, to be in the Word daily, really. But, uh, let, you know, you have some people who maybe are a little skeptical, or they've been in the church for years and years, and they say, well, you know, I understand the Bible, I get the storyline, I understand, you know, about salvation, and I don't really need to spend all that much time. Uh, how would you answer somebody who, who uh, said that and said, you know, I, I really don't have the time to devote to Bible study or listening to uh, Bible teaching programs? Yeah, well, if all you're getting, really, in terms of your biblical input, is drawing from your childhood or what you've learned in the past, or just relying on an hour or two that you're getting at church on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday evening, I'm telling you, it's not enough to create that, uh, what I think moderns like to call a worldview, that allows you to think biblically about everything that you encounter. I mean, we need to think about our jobs through kind of the lens of what God would have us think. That's called a, a worldview, we call it today, but really it's just, it's, it's called thinking biblically. It's called understanding that my parenting or my job or my recreation or my marriage, all of these things have to be seen through the lens of what does God say this is about? 
What is important? How do I glorify God in this situation? And you can't really do that just by relying on uh, you know, things you might catch on a Sunday morning. You've got to pick up your Bible, and you've got to get in it every day. You've got to be praying, not just to God about your own heart, but praying biblical thoughts, praying Scripture itself to God. I'm, 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 I've got to have my mind, as it says in Psalm 1, really bathed in this truth. And that's my word, but that word in the Scripture is, is meditation. We meditate on his word day and night. Certainly that's the biblical standard. So if someone says, well, you know, I get enough Bible on the weekend, I think the reason we need Bot Radio Network and other networks like this is because our, our, our minds need to be brought back to the truth of God's word so that everything I go to do, whether it's picking up a remote control and pointing at my TV screen and deciding what to watch, it needs to be done through the filter of, of a biblical Christian worldview. And that's going to come as we get more scripture, more of God's precepts and principles into our minds and into our soul. And we human beings tend to uh, stray pretty quickly and pretty easily, I've found. You know, we, uh, if we, if we uh, stop looking at the Word, we start forgetting what's in it. And, you know, I, I've heard an, an analogy or a comparison, if you will, that I have personally experienced, and that is, you know, typically when you, you have an appetite to eat food, and when you eat enough of it, you, you know, you get full and you say, ugh, I, don't, I can't eat anymore. What I've found is... When you start digging in the Word, you know, you have a, at least an initial appetite for it, and as you begin to devote yourself to—and I don't do it enough. I mean, I, I could go much, much further. That, that's my personal confession. But to the extent that I do, I find that I get—my appetite for it grows. I mean, I, you okay. know, you start to see things in there, that, and you—you know, maybe it's a passage you've read ten times or you've heard it a hundred times— and that one particular morning or evening when you're sitting there looking at it, it just there's something about it that, you know, whether you read a commentary that gives you a little bit of a different perspective, I just find that amazing. Right. It's fascinating because we're dealing with not just a book. You're not reading Tolstoy or, you know, you're not reading, uh, you know, just the, the greatest literature of, of American, uh, you know, authors. You're reading the Word of God. And as Hebrews 4.12 says, it's living and active, right? It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the ability to go into our lives and start dividing up our thoughts and our intentions, our motives. I mean, there's no other book like that. And that's why when you start getting into the Word, if you said, I'm just going to put more time into my study of the Bible, Maybe I'm going to listen to a few more good sermons that are going to provoke my thinking to get me back into the Word. I guarantee you, your appetite will increase for that, because that book will start to take root in your heart. It's not just that we're reading it. It's that it's really reading us, right? It's getting into who we are. It's changing us. James chapter 1 says the Scripture is like a mirror. We look into it, and it starts to reveal more and more about ourselves. We start to see ourselves against the, the standard of God's truth, and it's an endless topic. Because as it says in, in Hebrews 4, it's, it's, it's piercing down into our lives. See, so I think some people, like a college course, for instance, they read the Bible as literature. Remember those, those class titles? You know, it, That's one thing to mm -hmm. read the Bible as literature, right? He, Hebraic poem, poems or you know, ancient Near Eastern texts. You know, it's not about that. It's more than that. Although it starts there, we need to understand it well in its original context, and we need to know what the author intended. But when it gets down to it, that book has to be driven, as it will, with a good student with an open and clear conscience to be able to take that word in and let it get into our lives. It'll create a 
passion, not just an appetite, but a, a hunger, a fire for more. And really, you won't be able to get enough. And that's where we should be, right? We're, we're, not, uh, we're not just Americans that go to church and, and consider ourselves Christians. We're Christians that happen to live in America. We are first and foremost new creatures in Christ, and we're fueled, as the Bible says in Hebrews 4, by the, uh, the truth of the Word, right? It, it, it does... As, as Hebrews goes on to say, it's like meat in our, in our bones. It, it nourishes us, and it, it fuels us. And I think it's important that we get back to it, we get into it more seriously. And certainly good preaching will help us do that. Good Christian books help us do that. Going to Bible studies help us do that. But there's no better way than to spend time getting our minds back into the Word of God. That's right. I'm talking with Dr. Mike Forbaris. He is the teacher on the Focal Point broadcast. It's heard Every day on Bot Radio Network, 1.30 p.m. Central on most of our stations. And then again, as I mentioned earlier, 3.30 a.m. Then you can also hear it on the weekends. You can go to BotRadioNetwork.com, look under Programs, and search for Focal Point to find out exactly when it airs wherever you live. And, of course, uh, many of our listeners are around the world who, who listen by various digital means. So who knows what time zone that might be. But if you refer back to Central, then you can figure it out from wherever you are. Well, I, I want to keep going on this topic, but I want to take a slight detour because there's a, uh, a a little book that you have written. It's called Why the Bible. It's it's right up the line of everything we've been talking about here, and it's something that uh, you are offering to our listeners, and it's either in a, an actual printed booklet or a download. In fact, I just printed out. I downloaded it and printed it out, and it's—let uh, me just flip here. It's about—it's so 46 pages— uh, tell us about the what this is. Why the Bible? Why did you write it? Well, I find that so often in our conversations with non-Christians, I think Christians, particularly who go to church, listen to Christian radio, they can quote things in the Bible, and they can even kind of articulate the main message of the Bible, and often they can be pretty articulate about what the gospel is and how one should be saved. But when we're challenged, and that non-Christian turns to us in the workroom at our office and says, but how do you even know that Bible's true? Or, in essence, it's the guy on the street saying, well, you say all that, but who says? And as soon as you say, well, this is truth from the Bible, you instantly have a shift in the conversation from whether or not we're going to think the gospel is uh, you know, good news or whether that's true or whether that's something I need or not to, well, wait a minute, that book, I think that's been rewritten many, many times. It's been translated so many times. It's like a, an endless line of the telephone game where someone started out writing something or saying something, and it's kind of morphed into what it is, and it it's really can't be trusted. And so when you have that conversation, and eventually you will, if you stand up as an ambassador for Christ in our world, you're going to get around to having to simply and concisely defend that the Bible is God's Word. And of course, a lot of Christians start their Christian life by thinking that through, but once they get past that initial stage of their Christian life, they spend all the rest of their time, it seems, just learning what the Bible says. Well, in our day, we better go back to understanding why the Bible is God's Word, and that's what the book Why the Bible is all about. Why is this a book that we are saying is a communication from God? that it's God's truth on paper, and that he spoke through these apostles and prophets to put down in these codified propositional statements in black and white, in sentences, his mind on paper. See, a lot of people think that the Bible is just man's best thoughts about God, but in reality, here are God's actual thoughts that have been codified, written, and recorded on paper. And we've got to be able to think that through logically, understand why it's true, and look for the signs within the Scripture that verify that to be true. 
even just thinking through predictive prophecy and thinking about how a prophet was to be understood as being from God or being a false prophet. All these things are contained within the scriptures. God does not want us to look at the Bible and say, well, I believe it because my parents said it was God's word or, you know, because it's always been a good influence on society. We better go back to understand this is God's authoritative word. And that's what why the Bible is all about. There's books that are written on my shelf. I'm looking at them right now. 500, 600 pages on this topic. Well, I try to get it down to less than 50 pages where we can just get into this book and get the best, clearest, most cogent way to think through why the Bible is God's word and get that out in your hands so that you can talk to your neighbors, friends, and coworkers about the truth of God's, of God's gospel, but be able to know when they start to ask you why the Bible is true, you can know how to defend that simple truth. I'm going to ask you to comment on a couple of sections in this Why the Bible booklet, but first of all, and I'm going to repeat this a couple of times during our broadcast, this is how you can get it. You can either uh, get a download instantly, you'll just put your email address in there, and then it will be sent to you, and you can download it and uh, look at it on your computer or print it out if you would like. Uh, or you, if you choose, you can get a hard copy sent to you. It's focalpointministries.org and then forward slash bot, B-O-T-T. That's focalpointministries.org forward slash bot. Okay, let me ask you, Mike, about a couple of these things here. Uh, there's a, on page 12 of this booklet, it says there's a, an area titled God's Care of His Book. Talk about that section, if you would. Well, some people think, as I just said, that the Bible has kind of just evolved over time and that what we've got here is not something that we can rely on as historically true. Matter of fact, a lot of people will say, well, prove something in the Bible, but prove it from history and not from the Bible. And what I'm trying to make clear in this book is the Bible is reliable history. And it has been preserved for us better than any other ancient book that we have. When someone quotes Plato or Aristotle or talks about any kind of uh, Roman history from the 1st or 6th century even, you've got manuscripts that people are relying on as true that have a whole lot less evidence for their veracity or their truthfulness than the Bible does. And, and this is something that I think can be clearly communicated without a lot of charts and statistics if we just learn how to think through the fact that God has put these things into black and white, and he's made it clear through predictive prophecy, which is a big part of this little book, just describing what it means that God would put his truth down on paper and prove that it's his word and not just Mike's word or Eben's word. This is God's word. And so this concept of him caring for the book is, is really speaking to a lot of issues, but particularly that God has preserved it. And I get into the next section of that little book is dealing with the Dead Sea Scrolls, which was a wonderful discovery of showing how carefully God has preserved his book through the, the centuries. I mean, there is no other book like the Bible. And though the critic in the community college classroom or the university can easily, you know, give his tirade against why the Bible's a piece of junk and it's no, not even worth reading, uh, I, I've sat in those classes at the secular university, raised my hand and say, well, let's start with, have you ever read it? You know, <laughs> most of them haven't even read it, yeah. let alone be able to research its background. And so this little book's trying to give you just enough of the background to whet your appetite to know that you can have confidence in not only quoting the Bible, but talking about its history as a historical document. So uh, that was going to be my next question is, you know, what, uh, what benefit will this little booklet give people? And I think you just spelled it out. There's just more confidence in the Bible. And so it's a, it's a great resource. It's not going to take you a lot of time to read 
read, and it's something you can kind of tote around with you if you want. But let me ask you about another section here that's where you're talking about Bible abuse. It says, can't you make it say whatever you want? And it starts out by saying, related to the disaster of Bible abuse, uh, some have heard that you can make the Bible say whatever you want, and they believe it. So they throw up their hands and say, forget it then. So uh, how do you avoid Bible abuse, and why has there been so much of it? Well, thankfully, Bot Network is helping us to get rid of Bible abuse, at least on this network, because that's what your job is, right? To make sure that when you have teachers on this network, they're teaching the Bible, they're teaching what it says, they're not just cherry-picking a few verses so that they can say whatever they want to say. As I often teach young preachers, we're not going to use the Bible to preach our messages. We're going to be used by the Bible to preach its message. And Bible abuse is simply people quoting the Bible and saying whatever they want. And that happens all the time. There's entire movements that that bear a banner or a title Christianity, but when you listen to what they're saying, people are twisting and contorting the Bible to say whatever it means. And I'll tell you, if you do throw up your hands and say, well, it seems like there's so many religions and denominations and people quoting the Bible, who can have, you know, we just can't figure it out. I think we need to remember what the claim is. The claim is this is God's word. And I remember as a kid growing up in Long Beach, California, and I would come home from school and I was a latchkey kid, both my parents worked, and I would come into the kitchen there and I'd see a note from my parents. And it may be that my mom's handwriting, maybe with her cursive, was a little too fancy. I couldn't make out a word. Or maybe Dad wrote the note that morning before he left for work, and I didn't quite understand what his big word was that he was using in that sentence. If I came home and me and my brother sat around and said, ah, some of it's hard to understand, forget it. We're not going to even try to figure this out. Who can make sense of it? I mean, that would be a foolish thing to do because we understand this is a, an authoritative word from my parents. And if they've got instructions on there that I'm supposed to get right and get straightened out in my afternoon whether it's doing my homework or cutting the lawn or whatever it might be, before they get home, I know one day the author of that note is going to walk through that door and hold me accountable for what it says. Now, I understand the Bible. There are parts of it that can be hard to understand. And there may be people that are misquoting it. But we'd better make sure that we realize that this is claiming to be the authoritative word of God. And if it is that, then we'd better not throw up our hands too quickly and say, well, a lot of different people saying a lot of different things about the Bible doesn't matter. We better gather around the kitchen table, look at that note, and say, we better figure out what it means. We better find out who's representing it accurately. We better talk to someone who understands cursive a little better than I do so that I know what those words mean so that I prepare myself. Because really, when it comes down to it, we need to remember the Lord's coming back, and he will hold us accountable for his word, and everyone's going to have to stand before God. We quoted that great verse from Hebrews 4 about the word of God being living and active. Well, the next verse says, one day, we're going to have to stand before this God and give an account to him. That's why the Bible is so important. We're going to have to answer to God for his truth that not only he's imprinted on our conscience, but more importantly, he's spelled out without any ambiguity in the writings of the scripture. And we better make sure we don't throw up our hands and say, well, a lot of different people saying a lot of different things about the Bible. Forget it. Who cares? Listen, you, you may have people twisting the scripture, but that does not in any way excuse me from figuring out exactly what it says by going to good resources, spending more time reading it for myself, pondering what it says, finding good preachers on bot radio, getting a good commentary, and making sure I understand what it says. My future accountability with God really depends on me, my taking the word seriously. Well, that's a great analogy, the note from Dad or the note from Mom, <laughs> and making sure you understand what's in it. Well, we've been talking about this uh, little 46-page booklet called Why the Bible. You can get a copy for yourself by going to focalpointministries.org forward slash bot. That's focalpointministries.org 
forward slash bot. Well, Mike, I, I want to move on and take the last few minutes of our conversation. Oh, boy, this time has gone by quickly to, uh, well, first of all, I want, I want to talk about the importance of uh, why it's important for our listeners to support the programs like yours. What, what's so important about that? Yeah, and I think a lot of people, and of course you know this, Evan, because you're in the industry, but some people think that all of this happens without any costs related to it. And, uh, of course, it doesn't. I mean, it's a very expensive medium to be getting the Word of God out through. And when it comes to preaching that's heard on your station or most every other station in the country, there are costs involved in broadcasting that. And so that has to be supported by those that listen to the program. And uh, I just want to say, and I, I guess I've learned this is somewhat unique among some broadcasters, I guess, I have told my ministry, Focal Point Ministries, listen, I'm not going to take a paycheck. I'm not going to take any money from this. Matter of fact, books like Why the Bible, I write them, and then I just donate them to Focal Point. Uh, I have a job. I'm a pastor of a church here in Southern California, and they pay me enough to be able to pay my mortgage and feed my family. Focal Point is something that we're just doing just to, to see God's word go out. And for us, it's a mission, if you will. It's something that we can do to reach people that we wouldn't otherwise reach. So every dollar that someone sends in to support Focal Point Ministry, it goes to pay, in our case, for the close to 800 radio stations that all need money for that airtime so they can pay for their towers and the people that work on their equipment and pay for the equipment itself. And so we take that money and put it right toward the, the broadcast of our preaching every day. And uh, it's not like Mike Fabares is, is padding his Porsche fund or anything like that so I can you know, <laughs> get, a, get a yacht one day. I mean, this is, I, I'm, I'm taken care of by my own church. This is just an outreach. It, it allows us to be able to see other people reached with the message of the gospel. Now, our ministry has grown, and we do have a lot of people here now that work in our office. But I can tell you this, 95% of the people that work in the focal point office that make this happen across the country for us, they're volunteers. I only have two, believe it or not. Well, I guess three now. We have three employees that actually get a paycheck out of this because they're spending their full time, 50 hours a week or so, just making this happen on our end. And I know every radio station across the country, uh, I assume without exception, has people that have to be paid to do the work that they do. So if people understood how radio works, it's not like we're writing uh, you know, musical hits for the radio and, and everyone pays us for broadcasting our music. It's just the opposite. We have to pay to make sure that this goes out across these very expensive mediums with all this equipment to get it to get it out to people that wouldn't otherwise have it. So we're happy. Matter of fact, my wife and I, and even my kids, I think, all my grown kids at least, all give to Focal Point beyond what we give to our church because we want to see this go out and change lives. And thankfully, I'm on the front lines able to read these letters that come in every single day, and I'm, I, I'm just overwhelmed by what a great thing it is that the Word of God goes out, whether it's 3.30 in the morning or 1.30 in the afternoon or wherever it's broadcast somewhere else. People's lives are being affected by the living and active Word of God being preached. So if we don't get that, that, that support, then we look at those stations and say, I guess there's not an appetite for our preaching on this network or on this station, and we have to pull off. And we hate to do that. When we get an opportunity to go on a network or a station, I mean, we want to make it work. But that's only going to work when our listeners are willing to step up and help support it. Absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate that background and information. And as I recall, you know, you know I had a conversation probably over a year ago, and I remember that, that you, you run a very, very lean operation. You just have, uh, as you said, two or three people who are actually being paid. 
paid that you don't take any of the uh, income that comes in through Focal Point from uh, donations from listeners. So I just want to encourage you folks, if you listen to Focal Point and you enjoy it, support it. If you don't listen, please listen, and I think you will want to support it. So again, it's on the air, one thirty in the afternoon, 3.30 in the morning, Central Time, uh, on Bot Radio Network. Well, we have just about a minute left, uh, Mike. We talked about a whole list of things that we were going to cover. And I, I want to just mention a book that you've had out for a little while, and, and I had an opportunity to take a peek at at uh, some of the topics, Raising Men, Not Boys. Give me the 45-second uh, uh, sort of promotional announcement for the book and, and why it would be important if uh, we've got listeners, I'm sure, who are raising boys right now. Well, if you're raising boys, you're raising them in a very unique climate right now. Our culture, uh, man, it just does not want to see any kind of distinctiveness as we raise our kids by gender. We've got such a gender-confused world. So time for us to get back to the Word of God and say, what does a man look like? What's my goal? What do I do every day in my parenting to try and help my son become a godly man? What does masculinity mean in a biblical context? What does it mean to have my kid be willing to take the kinds of, uh, of biblical risks that a man should take? How should he see himself as a servant and a protector of his future family and the people around him. All of these issues get all the way down to issues like your chores and your allowance and dating and screen time and computers and pornography, everything in this book to try and help make sure we think about what it means to raise godly men. So I hope it's a help to some people. Moody Press is the publisher. It's available everywhere. Raising Men, Not Boys. I hope it's a blessing to some parents. And the subtitle, Shepherding Young Sons to Be Men of God. So I would encourage you, if you've got yeah, young sons and you're trying to figure out how to raise those rascals, get a copy of this book by Mike Fabaris. Well, Mike, again, let me give this address for the download of Why the Bible. It's focalpointministries.org slash bot, focalpointministries.org slash bot. And let me thank you again for the ministry that you do and for the wonderful things that you do to help pour into the lives of our listeners. Evan, thanks. Great to be here with you. For Bot Radio Network, this is Evan Fowler. Thanks for listening today.